Good morning. I read recently that St. Francis was known for preaching to whole trees full of birds. And I've been thinking about that. Uh, you can hear the jays above me. I decided that maybe this would be a good week to try out a different pulpit. And so I am about, oh, maybe, I don't know, 25 feet up in one of the big old redwoods in my backyard. My kids have been encouraging me to come up here often, uh, basically since we moved here. And from my perspective, I have. I have been up here, but it has actually been uh, in a different way and for a different reason. I've come up to uh, cut down branches that were hanging over our um, our roof trying to get ready for fire season and while it was definitely exciting to be way up in a tree with a chainsaw um, and necessary I think we were safe about it uh, it did not fit the same uh, that, that was not what they were asking me to do that did not count and so I came up here this week, and just uh, not to accomplish anything, not to do anything, but just to heed their advice, to be up here. I came up here and sat, and uh, given the time of year that it is, I uh, thought some about St. Francis. He is this, what, probably most loved and also least imitated saint that we have. We see things named for him everywhere and statues and all manner of things and I'm struck by uh, by the way that he lived between worlds uh, that he shifted between worlds in his life I think uh, probably many of you know uh, some of his story that he grew up in this just incredibly well-off family. They had more than enough. They were very comfortable. There was lots of feasting and partying. There are some funny stories about young Francis and how wild he sometimes got. And there are also a lot of accounts on how things began to shift for him. Some, uh, some like to point to time he spent in prison. He went to work. Uh, and, or went, went to serve in a war and was captured and spent about a year in prison where, uh, as the story goes, he received visions from God. And among them was the call to go and rebuild this church that he had encountered, that Francis had encountered, that was just totally falling apart, just rubble. And he heard the call to go and try to make a community of faith of that place again. And he also heard the call to enter into a different kind of relationship with all of humanity and all of creation, with those who had little, who were living in poverty or destitution, and with all, all the animals, with all the life that he found everywhere. And this required uh, some significant changes. Some of them went over better with his family than others. He uh, is said to have 
Well, left in a rather dramatic fashion, enough so that his father was really angry. He was uh, afraid for his safety as, as he had made rather a scene. I think it was probably uh, pretty disruptive, pretty offensive to his father. And he went and lived in a cave. He was perhaps uh, largely hiding out from his dad. And I think he was also needing, um, needing a totally different place to begin to live this different kind of life, somewhere simple and austere and completely connected to the land, a cave. As I think about the changes that Francis made, these decisions, this just incredible, pivotal uh, point and movement in his life, some of, the, some of the things come as obvious. You know, the way that his, his habits, the way his days were shaped, those certainly changed as he went from living in this just remarkably gorgeous home in the city to uh, living himself in destitution, living off the land and off the kindness of strangers. But one of the things that, um, that is especially striking me today is how that choice not only changed how he lived, but it changed what he saw. It both literally and figur figuratively changed his perspective. It gave him a new vantage point which I think is what this uh, frustrating, perplexing, challenging gospel passage is about. When I hear it, uh, when I first uh, take it in, I hear this frustrating sense that, uh, that those who have responsibility for shaping the world, the wise, the intelligent, the leaders, the, the grown-ups, that things are hidden from them, from us. And I don't especially like that. <laughs> we hear instead from Jesus that these truths, these things are revealed to infants. But where we pick up today doesn't say um, what those things are. We have to back up in the gospel to see that. And um, the, the passage, uh, the, the teaching, the um, what, what Jesus is sharing leading up to this is all about uh, the way that, that God is present and bringing healing and connection, the way the Spirit is on the move and uh, creating room for, for wonder and dance and song. And so much of the time, the adults, the, the wise, the intelligent, the leaders, uh, are the ones that Jesus in particular is speaking to here, they miss it. They don't see it. Instead, it is these little ones who are able to perceive it and to respond. And so I've been thinking about that this week uh, in the ways that it challenges me. And in, uh, in recent days, recent weeks, my son Sam, who is five and a half, has been um, more and more insistent that I need to come up in this tree, this redwood. And the reason he gives is not just that it's fun or cool or exciting or whatever, um, but 
Uh, he actually, he came in not too long ago and he said, I can see the mountain from up there. I can see a mountain. You have to go up there. And so being five and a half, Sam, uh, well, he often spends his time in realities that, that don't exactly line up with the reality that, um, that I generally move in. You know, things, uh, broomsticks can fly in his world in a way that generally I, I have not experienced them to in mine. And so, you know, I thought, okay, I'm glad you're having so much fun in this tree, but I actually know that, you know, unless we went way, 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 way to the top of this mountain, I mean, sorry, of, of this tree, we're not going to see Mount Diablo. That's, that's not the, the direction and the way the terrain works. There's, there's actually not a mountain to see here, but thank you, Sam, for your enthusiasm. And I've, I basically ignored it. Um, and when earlier this week I finally decided to climb up here just 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 to be here not to accomplish anything I climbed up uh, actually a good ways higher than I am now and uh, when I got to well when I got to a place where really I, I couldn't it didn't seem like I could safely go any higher I turned away from the trunk and I looked uh, more east and immediately I saw a mountain <laughs> I was stunned it was um, it was beautiful and uh, more lush than I would have expected as dry as everything is right now and even more than that what I noticed was how the land that I am on the land that this tree is growing from is connected in this direct sweep to that mountain. Um, it's, it's clearly part of the same shape. It's all one in a way that I had never encountered. I had not noticed. And of course, it, it's not actually a mountain. Um, according to the adults with power to name things and categorize things as one thing or another. It's, uh, it's, it's part of Brioni's, it's, it's the ridge up there. But from this place, looking out through the trees, uh, above the treetops, above the rooftops and the chimneys, it, it absolutely looks like an, a, a mountain, and a mountain that is, is right here and is of us and connected to us. And, that, um, and, and we are connected to it. And I'm, I'm looking straight, straight through the branches at it now. Um, and what occurred to me in sitting up here and looking at this, this neighborhood mountain um, is the truth that is so simple and sometimes so elusive that I am and we are part of so, something so much bigger than ourselves, so much bigger than our own little homes, our own little uh, bits of space that, uh, that we take direct responsibility for. And in, in sitting and in looking and seeing that, that direct line of connection with the contours of the land, my, my heart was softened and moved towards 
something that I, I think is, is more in the shape of faithful stewardship. Because I know that I'm not just here, I'm there too, and that is here too, and it's all part of this one bigger piece. It's not actually, the, <laughs> the property lines don't matter in, in that way when we can see that we are part of a sweep. And, you know, I'm, I have for a long time been committed to uh, faithful stewardship, to good care of creation, to working against climate change, to making these decisions. Um, and too often, I, I think as an adult, too often these are ideas. It's an intellectual pursuit which is critical to doing the work and it's not enough. We actually need to come in our bodies into creation, into a different perspective, a new vantage point. I think that's what Francis was doing in heading out to the caves, in heading out to the land and, and taking up company with all of humanity and all of creation. I think that's what Jesus is pointing to and encouraging us to look from the eyes, from the perspective of these infants who have to see things in a different way. They, they see things being, they see the world from being held in someone's arms or lying on a blanket in the grass or being pushed through the world in a stroller. They, they see things from a, a perspective of connection, of interdependence, of wonder and delight that we sometimes miss. And so I invite you to think uh, this day not just about our pets who teach us so much about creation and about life beyond just humans, how good it is, that companionship. I invite you also to, to find another spot, another place where you can stretch your perspective and take on a new, uh, a new vantage point. Maybe it's up in a tree, maybe it's lying down beneath it and looking up. Maybe it's finding some natural body of water or, or even the creek nearby that has been uh, sort of hemmed in with cement and yet still runs and still feeds life. I encourage you to, to take a look through those different perspectives, those different eyes, um, because I think it has the possibility of changing us, of, of changing our hearts and pulling us into more connection and more faithful stewardship. And that, that I think is good news for the birds. I think that's worth preaching to all creation, preaching in the sense of, of helping everyone to hear what is good news. It is good news when we can take on this perspective and see from, from these other places, these other wisdoms, that there is something far bigger than us and that we ourselves are a part of it. And this is good news for the birds. It is good news for all of us.